0: Just yesterday, my wife's computer was just not cooperating. It's getting old, and we're talking about replacing it. But after a while, it wouldn't do anything. And so I said, oh, let's do a hard reset. And I pushed the power button and held it. And eventually, it got better. It's not totally well yet. But anyway, our computers, our electronics can give us such grief. And yet, they have reset buttons to help us get them going again. Well, how about our lives have have you ever felt like your life got locked up like a computer, your life got stuck, you weren't going forward, you weren't making progress, and, and you wish there was a button you could push or a, a switch you could flip, and just like resetting my wife's computer yesterday, you could reset your life? Well, most people have experienced that. Most people have gotten stuck in life, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So during this series, we're talking about the
1: button to push, this reset button the, the thing that can get your life back to functioning the way God intended. And we find this button in the Bible. It's in the scripture that we've chosen for the, the theme, actually, for this series. And I'm going here's the background. There's a, a conversation happening in what we're about to read. It's uh, uh, this Jesus is talking to a religious leader of that day. And this this religious leader asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment of all? And so Jesus answered him. The, the number one thing that God wants from and for us um, we, we is, is found here in Mark chapter 12. Now, uh, last week, Ed asked you to read it over and over each day to kind of begin to commit it to memory. So we're going to read it together. I want you to, we're going to say it together, and then we'll, we'll continue on. But this is where we find the reset button. Here we go. Read it with me. You are to love God with with every every passion of your heart,
0: with all the energy of your being, with with
1: every every thought that is within you, and with with all all your strength. strength. This This is the great great and supreme commandment. commandment. And the The second second is this. You must love your neighbor in the same way way you love yourself. yourself. The epicenter of your design is love.
0: So that's life's reset button. Life's reset button is love. God doesn't say, first, you got to get your act together before I'll help. He doesn't say, you got to figure it all out. You got to quit this, start that, whatever. He just says, the most important thing is to love me. And if we'll get that right, if we'll get going in that direction, everything else is going to take care of itself. Now, in the verses we just read, Jesus gave four specific dynamics of how this love can literally reset our lives. We're looking at four dynamics of how we can love God. And then on our fifth Sunday, we'll look at a dynamic of how we can love people. So let's define love. To love is to give with no demand for return. To give with no demand for a return. You may have heard of unconditional love. Well, unconditional love unconditionally gives. It's a heart to give and no expectation, no demand for return. And here's the other thing about love. Obviously, it's a noun. We talk about love as a subject, but I believe more importantly, love is a verb. Love is a verb. Love is an action that we take with a desire to interact with someone else in a give and receive relationship.
1: So in the first message of of this series last week, uh, we talked about the dynamic of heart love. Today, we're going to look at the second a specific dynamic of loving God that Jesus gave us. And here it is. You are to love God with all the energy of your being. So what, what, what does that mean? All the energy of your being, it's your will. It's your will. My, all, all of my energy, all, all of my will uh, to love God with that. So we're going to give you a couple things here to start with about this. Couple of things about loving God with all of the energy of my being. Um, let's start with this. My will defines my life. My will defines my life. Think about it for a second, and you know it to be true. My will, the, my ability to choose and, and do things, it that's that defines my life. It's the my will is the energy of my being. Now the idea here is to love God with that. With with my ability to choose and act. Love God with my ability to choose and act. Uh, you and I are the sum of our choices, right? I mean, the sum of our choices and our actions, all of it put together, um, that's, that, that's who we are. That's what defines us. And where I put my energy in life, where I engage my will, that defines and that's, that's the sum of who I am. Uh, you, you are... I mean, you're the sum of all your choices you've made before today. What got you here, that's what's going on in your life. And I can use that. You and I can use that. We can use all the energy of our being to choose God's will. I can use my will to choose God's will. And by the way, the reason you have a free will, because we all have one, the the reason God gave that to us, the, the purpose of it is so that we could freely choose his will. Um, God's will is found in case you're wondering, you might be thinking, that's great. Well, how do I know what God's will is? Well, here's just a, just, here's a little piece. You find God's will in the Bible, you find it in, in several places in the Bible, in commands like this one we read, in stories, in principles, and the things that you read there. You find God's will. You, you, you find God's will maybe in a message here at church. Maybe you're, you we we're, we're talking about something and God says, "Hey, I'm, I'm I'm talking to you." Maybe you've experienced that before. I know I have. Uh, we're we're talking like, man, I felt like I felt like that preacher was talking straight to me, and it was a good thing. Well, that's because God is saying, "Hey, this is what I have for you." God's will. Um, sometimes we we find God's will in speaking straight to our heart. It's just through your relationship with God, through taking time to pray or or talking to God one day, and he tells you, this is what I want you to do, or this is the direction that I would like you to go. I want to use my will, the energy of my being, to choose God's will. So if something is clearly God's will, I'll choose my will for that. I mean, I'm sorry, I will use my will to choose that. Um, I'll use my energy for that to make it work. Now, the opposite of that is, is me doing something different, using my will and my energy, the whole energy of my being, to choose what I think is best. Or if we're really honest about it, what I rationalize as okay. Maybe you and I, maybe you've done that before. Actually, I know you've done that before because you're a person like I am. I'll give you an example. Maybe, maybe this specific example doesn't fit you, but you'll know what I'm talking about. I can use my energy I can use my will to choose things that I think are okay. For example, well, it's okay if I, if I watch a little porn. I mean, it's not really hurting anybody. Um, you know, I just don't have time to do a Bible devotional every day. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm going to do, I'm just going to sleep a little longer or I'm going to do something else. I'm, I, I, I'll, you know what? It's okay if I just do this little sin. I mean, it, who's it going to hurt? Who, who, who's really going to be affected? These rationalizations, these me using my will to choose what I think is best, um, these these self-expressions of my will, they addict me to things. They addict me to things that take me away from God rather than bringing me towards God. I can choose. I can use my will and energy to become an addict to those things, or I can use my will to choose God's will and get the help that I need to be free and to stay free.
0: So the second thing about the will we want to say today is that the will is key in spiritual growth. The will is a major key in spiritual growth. God wants me to love him with my will, my chooser, and all the decisions I make. And here's the cool thing. He is willing and eager to help me make the right decisions, to help me choose correctly to help me use the energy of my being, my will for the right thing. Look at this scripture from the book of Philippians chapter 2. For it is God who is at work within you, giving you the will and the power to achieve his purpose. God's working in our hearts, folks. He's working on our will. And if we'll cooperate with that work, we'll be able to do His will to, I love this last phrase, to achieve His purpose. So God wants to empower our will to choose His will. He wants to empower your chooser. This is really good for those of you who may think of yourself as kind of weak-willed. Oh, I know really strong-willed people, and that ain't me. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to be strong-willed. You have to let God empower your will, and you'll really make progress. Now, in the previous verse in Philippians, we read this. Continue working out your salvation with awe and reverence. So putting these two together, we have continue working out your salvation, and God is helping you do that. He is giving you the will and the power to choose. So choosing to obey God leads to what this verse uh, phrases as working out our salvation, in other words, spiritual growth. Choosing to obey God leads to spiritual growth in our lives. Spiritual growth is an inside-out process. He's already in our life. If we've said yes to Jesus and given Him our life, He's in us. His Spirit is within us, and He wants to work out His life through us and His blessing in our life. So uh, let me give you a couple examples. Chad mentioned getting up in the morning. Well, Maybe you can relate to me. Maybe I'm the only one here, but I am a dead head in the morning. I'm telling you, I could get 10 hours of sleep, and I still wake up just like, where's the coffee, you know? And it just takes me a little longer than the average person, I think, to, to get up and get going in the morning. Well, I believe for many years it's critical, though, to have time in the morning with God first before I have to go do my job or take kids to school, whatever I've had to do. I've always known that God wanted me to spend time with him, and it hasn't been easy. But God taught me years ago, Ed, just pray. I want to help you. Just pray, and I will help you. I will strengthen your will to do my will. And it's worked because I'm still a sleepy deadhead, but somehow he gets me going, and my mornings are much better than they used to be. Here's another example. We raised four kids in our house. And they were pretty close together in age, and there were times Dad got a little harsh. I just, you know, I don't think I ever totally lost it, and I never, you know, beat him up. But I got upset more than once, and I would be harsh, and I would know that was wrong, and that was counterproductive and hurtful. So I'd pray, God, help me. And over time, he began to help me with my words and even my tone with my child. But I had to be willing for him to empower my chooser. so I have to engage my energy I have to be willing but then God gives me the strength to do what he wants me to do so let's look
1: at today's dynamic using my will to choose God will God's will loving God with all the energy of my being let's look at it in the life of a man named Moses Moses is we get it from get it from the Bible he's a character an individual in the Bible and you might have you um, you might have heard of him before. We're going to look back at the life, at his life, and a specific point and at part of his story, uh, where, where he was and what was happening. And it takes place, this, what we're going to talk about takes place in, in Egypt, or, or actually a little outside of, uh, of being slaves in Egypt. Maybe you've heard, have you seen the movie um, The Ten Commandments? where Charlton Heston, so it's an old movie. Maybe you've watched it, maybe you haven't. Well, then there was a little one, kind of sorta more recent, and that was called The Prince of Egypt. Now, that one was a cartoon. Maybe you saw that. Uh, or maybe you've just heard the story uh, of Moses and the Ten Commandments and, and him going up the mountain and carrying these big stone things. Maybe you've seen pictures. Well, this is this is where we're at. This is a real occurrence. This stuff really happened. And let, let's just get to it. The, the Hebrew people, the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they had been slaves to the Egyptians for 400 years. You know, a lot of them were born and died being slaves. So, so this is the, the, the condition of these people. And after a, a, um, after a while, God says, hey, it's time for these people not to be slaves anymore. So he gets Moses this guy named Moses, you can read his story in Exodus, but in the Bible, but he, Moses goes and he talks to Pharaoh. He's doing all this because God spoke it to his heart and he said, look, Pharaoh, let, let my people go. Let the Israelites, let the Jewish people go. And, Moses, and Pharaoh says no, and God sends plagues on the whole country and, and horrible things happen. And eventually, Pharaoh says, that's it, I've had enough, I can't take it anymore, get out. Go, take your people and get out. So we're talking about a lot of people. And historians maybe quabble a little bit over how many, but we're talking a million people or more. We're talking about a lot of folks, okay? And so they leave. And they, they get to take all kinds of gold and riches with them as they leave. And they, they cross the Red Sea. God, they get there, and God, like, parts the sea for them, like a miracle in front of their eyeballs. They parts. They walk. Not only is it a miracle that the water gets separated, but they walk across on dry ground. And so all of this gigantic, massive amount of people walks across this this sea to the other side. And by that time, Pharaoh had decided, what did I do? I just let all my free labor go. No, go bring them back. So he sends his army to take them back. Well, they follow into the dry ground in the middle of the, the sea that's been separated. And when the Israelites get out, God lets the water go and Pharaoh's army, the Egyptian army, drowns right in front of them. God saved them. He, he brought them out. This is a massive miracle. I, you know, sometimes you try it one time. Like, fill up the bathtub with water and just stand there and do this and see if you can make the water divide because it's not going to happen. All right? So, I mean, this is a massive thing they saw happen with their own eyeballs. Here's what happens three days later. Three days later, they're traveling to where God's taking them. They called it the promised land. And they get thirsty. Which is understandable. They're in a the desert. It's hot. The sun's out. Down here in South Texas, we know what it's like to be thirsty. So they're thirsty, and they can't find any good water. They found some, but it was bitter, and they didn't like it. And here's what they do: they uh, they start complaining. That you would think that they would be optimistic, because just a few days ago, God did these massive miracles before their eyes, and now they're a little thirsty, and they start to whine. And they complain and they actually turn on Moses. Exodus 15, 24. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. You brought us out here to die. (laughs) God just did all this great stuff. I mean, if you were Moses... And you had just led this entire nation of people out of slavery from 400 years. And, and you just saw God do all these massive miracles. By the way, all these plagues that happened in Egypt, you know, the, 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 the Jewish people were protected from a lot of that. Especially the last one where, where people died. They, they were protected. And God did this great stuff. What if you were the leader? And they come to you and like, well, what are we going to drink? What well, you just brought us out here to die of thirst. It was better if we were back there. And everybody's whining and complaining. Well, uh, some of us might be like, see ya, you losers. <laughs> did you not just see what God did? I'm going on. Y'all do whatever you want. I, I'm out. I'm dragging up. Forget you. I mean, that, I can see that. Um, you might say, at the very least, you'd be thinking, why are you freaking out? Do you not know what God did? It would be so frustrating. I would be so uh, ready to just like strangle them. Guys, are you kidding me? But Moses, Moses knew what God's will was. God had spoken into his heart. I mean, he'd just gone through all these things. So Moses did, instead of following his own will to most likely thump these people in the head, He chose God's will instead. Here we go. Exodus 15, 24. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and and this made the water good to drink. Instead of dragging up, Moses used his energy. He used his will to say, okay, I know what to do here. I'm going to seek God first. He knew God's will was to go to God first. Even though he probably wanted to beat some people first, he decided to go to God first. And in the face of frustration, he remained committed to what he already knew was God's will. And that was to lead God's people to this promised land. So he used his energy. He used his will to choose God's way. That's what Moses did. And if you think about that and put that to yourself, we we can see that our will... Our energy, using it to choose God's will, can help us stay committed to what God has put in your life. You use the energy of your being to stay committed to what God has said to you. Now, folks, um, that means staying committed and using your will to choose God's will even when people and circumstances aren't agreeing with you. If if you're married in here today, my guess is that you are living in a less than perfect marriage. Don't look at your person sitting next to you. (laughs) But the chances are you're living in a less than perfect marriage. Why? Because you're not perfect and they're not perfect. That's it. I mean, it's really easy. But God's will is that your marriage... Be strong, and that it grow, and that that God is in the middle of it. That He's He's the third person that that puts things together and cares for you and helps you make it. That's God's will, even if your husband or wife, you know, is being turkey at the moment. Use God's will to choose. I mean, use your will to choose God's will for your marriage. Same is same applies for the a job that God gave you. If it, God gave you this and Um, things aren't going well exactly right now today, you can still use your will to choose God's will to be committed to the job he gave you to do. And you can do what he put in your life and, and, and use your energy to do that. Use your will, use your energy to choose God. The same thing works with friendships, relationships. Folks, as much as it pains me to say this, Ignite Church is not perfect. The people in this room are not perfect. I'm not perfect. Ed's not perfect. And so we may not always do exactly what it is that you like or want. Or, hey, sometimes we might, people in this, think of the church in general, may mess up. But did you know what? Even if that's the case, even if something about that is frustrating or any of those things, I can use my will to choose God's will. I know he brought me here. I know he put me here. So I'm going to engage my energy in God's will for making um, Ignite Church or my marriage or my job or my friendships what God wants them to be. I can use my will to stay committed to God. Staying true to our commitments is huge in life.
0: Okay, we want to look at another example from the life of Moses, another choice he makes. Now, three months takes place, okay? They are on the march across the desert heading to God's promised land for them, and God leads them to a mountain, and he wants to give them some more instructions about worship and stuff like that, and so God tells uh, all the people, y'all stay down here. I want Moses to come up, spend time with me, and I'll tell him what I want, and he'll be able to come back down and lead y'all on. And so that's what happens. Moses goes up this mountain, and God's presence is so powerful, it's scary and fiery, and the people are like, Whoa, what is this about? But Moses up the mountain, and he spends time with God, and God gives him instructions for the people of Israel. And then it's time for him to go down. He spent 40 days up there, and now it's time for him to go down the mountain, and there's a problem, and God is not happy. Let's look at it. Exodus chapter 32. The Lord told Moses, Quick, go down the mountain, your people. Pause there. Yeah, yeah, some of you got it. Your people. Your people. God always called them, always had called them my people, his people. But he's saying, Moses, your people, and let's read on, your people who you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone, so my fierce anger can blaze against them, and I will destroy them. Then I will make you, Moses, into a great nation." God is patient, but sometimes he's just done. And boy, is he ever done. I mean, just just pause and just picture this. He's telling Moses, I'm going to wipe them all out, and I'm going to start over with you. You're going to become the father of my nation, of my people. Man, if you were Moses, I mean, how might you react if you were Moses? I mean, I could see myself, unfortunately, <laughs> saying something like, fry them, God. I'm done. <laughs> Finally, no more headaches. I'm, this is great. And they'll be known as the children of Ed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gee whiz. This is serious. God, God was serious. But that's not what Moses did. Let's look at what he said. Moses tried to pacify the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Pacify God. To pacify the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you brought from the land of Egypt with such great power and such a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Moses turns it around on him and says, God, you brought them out. And he's saying, Lord, your reputation's on the line. And even though he could have had a fresh start and gotten rid of all that grief, Moses did the opposite. Our will, just like in this case with Moses, our energy helps us maintain our principles. Our will helps us maintain our principles. Moses wanted God's name and reputation to be honored throughout all the earth. He was committed to that. He was committed to God's will taking place, to God's people getting where he wanted them to go. And even at the expense of his own legacy, he could have had an amazing legacy as the founder, the new new founder of the nation. He didn't. He stayed true to his principles. So he said, God, God, think about it. Uh, Just think what the Egyptians will say, that you let them out just to kill them. God, don't do that. God, forgive them. And fortunately, for Israel's sake, God listened to Moses, and God spared them, and he did it only because Moses intervened. Well, sometimes in life, our principles get challenged, the principles we live by that we know or God's will for our life. Let me give you one example. Let's take the principle of honesty. God wants us to be honest and true in all of our lives. Problem is, our lives are imperfect, like Chad talked about earlier. We're imperfect. Everything around us is imperfect. Your job's imperfect. And sometimes you're, you're gonna get stuck or caught in a, in a problem, and you could easily just lie your way out of it. You could just say, "Oh, that wasn't me. You're tempted to lie at work. Every year, people are tempted this time of the year to lie, yeah, on their taxes. So do we stick to our principles of wanting to honor God, wanting to live by His will, or do we compromise? Do we lie? Well, with God's help, His empowerment in our will helps us stay honest. And even if maybe a big part of us... (laughs) does it want to be honest. I mean, maybe you had a little bit to do with a problem at work, but this guy had a lot to do, but he's not coming clean. You're still going to say, yeah, I blew it. Sorry. Well, with God's help, I can stay true to all of my principles, honesty and everything else. So now we want to make this practical. We're going to give you some practical steps with this in mind.
1: So how do I love God with all the energy of my being? Let's just really bring it down to where we live and where we're at. How do I do it? Well, we've mentioned some things, so you, you begin to apply those. We want to we really tell you about how to, how to connect with God over this. And the first thing is this. If you are strong-willed, you know, may, maybe you've been called stubborn, hard-headed. Um, you could probably think of some other terms that you have been called. If that's you... If you're one of those type of people, a strong-willed person like Edward, (laughs) here's what you do: you ask God to show you where you're resisting his will. Because strong-willed people that have a drive and like a type A, and you know, there's a big positives to those things, okay? That that's good, but we will get to the point where we resist God's will, even. I'm gonna use my will. Maybe, maybe even, it could be even unintentional. It's not that you're doing it on purpose, but we, we get off track and say, well, I'm rationalizing how it's okay for me to do this and not do this and how it's okay for me to, you know, I know that this is God's will. I've seen it in the Bible. I've heard him speak it to me, but I feel like in today's culture and in today's society, this would be better. Well, what you're doing is using your will to resist God's will. And so if you're a strong-willed person, say, God, where in my life am I resisting your will? Am I, like, fighting against it? I don't want to do that anymore. I want to use my will to choose yours in every circumstance, in every decision, in every action. I want to use my will to choose yours, God. So ask him about it. God, help me. Help me. And I'm going to add something to that. This isn't in your notes there, but find a a trusted friend that's following Jesus and maybe ask them to, hey, where am I? Where do you think I'm? This is tough because they're probably going to tell you, (laughs) and you might not like it. Where am I resisting God's Where do you think? But this it's only very few people you could ask this, you know—that that you think they're really following Jesus. But the, th- those would be a couple of things you could do. Now, the next one is this: if you're the opposite, if you are one, a, a weak-willed person, and I don't—that—that's not an insult. I, it's a, like, man, I just lack willpower. That's the type of person we're talking about here. Um, ask God to strengthen you to do His will. Ed Reddit, uh, God wants to help you with your will. To do his. And folks, by the way, we're all weak-willed at some point, at some time. Now, you could be a really strong person you know, in general, but even that person that's sometimes like, man, I just don't have the willpower to do this. If it were if, if one of us was Moses, it would have been like, I do not. I just, I can't. God, please, I can't do this. Please send somebody else to do this instead of me because I don't want to. Um, if you're a person that's struggling with the willpower to put your energy into God's will, then say, God, I need your help. I need your help. Will you help strengthen, strengthen me to do your will? When you know what God's will is in a certain situation and you're struggling to do it, you need his strength to empower you. And it's okay to say, God, I need help. Because, again, we're all hit. we all this guy at some point or another. God, please empower me to choose and do your will. Those are, those are the couple things that we can really, really do. Ask God, God, help me. Help me find out where I'm resisting and help me where I'm struggling to do your will.
0: This makes such a difference. This makes a huge difference in our life. This gets us unstuck. By saying yes to God, let's go help me. And as I grow in allowing his strength to empower my will, as I grow in that, it makes a huge difference in my life, my family, those around our church, our community, the world as we get going in God's direction as he empowers our will. All right, we're going to pray in just a moment. I want to say that uh, we're so glad you came today. We love you guys and appreciate you so much. Now I want to remind you of two things as we get ready to go out the doors. We'll have prayer teams up here. As we do every Sunday, prayer teams will be near the stage. If you had uh, a need for anything in your life, you'd like to have prayer, come on up. Let these guys pray for you. And also, be sure to remember to give. You can give using the app or go online or at the boxes there near the doors. Y'all stand. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you don't leave us alone to figure it out, to do the right thing. You come and you help us. You strengthen us to choose your will. You guide us. And as we choose your will, we grow spiritually. We grow closer to you, and our life is just so much better. Lord, thank you that you care enough to help us even to do what you say to do. Lord, this week... We just say, Lord, help us love you with all of the energy of our being. Help us love you in our choices and in our will and our commitment and in our principles. Lord, bless these folks, I pray today now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.